People have set dates for the return of Christ. So far, all have embarrassingly failed. But is there some way we can tell when Christ will return? Could Christ return in our day? And are there signs that point to this tremendous event? What will happen when and if He returns soon? Welcome back. Today we're talking about, could Christ return in our day? Could his coming be near? What do the Bible prophecies say? Now we're going to have a little summary of the first program we had, which was on the same subject. This is just a little summary to bring you up to date. We do not know the day or the hour of Christ's return. So it's foolish to set dates. But we can tell when his return is near. His coming is certain. He doesn't return as a little baby. He returns as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He returns to save his people, the people who've surrendered their lives to him and who've been saved by his death on the cross. He returns to execute judgment on the rejectors of the gospel. The Bible talks about this tremendous, tremendous firestorm that accompanies him. And while God's people are saved from the Holocaust, the wicked are destroyed. But the Bible teaches there's hope for every lost soul who comes to Christ. So it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. There's hope for every person. Jesus himself said the words, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him, you've got to believe. It's a terrible idea going around in some circles where people say, well, everybody's just going to be saved. Everybody's going to be saved, whether they believe or not. No, 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 that's a perversion of the gospel. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him, and this belief includes a complete reliance on him and a surrender to him. So the message is, trust in Christ now. Listen, although we cannot know the day or the hour, we can know when his return is near. And I want to share a text with you. I want you to come in your Bibles to Matthew 24, 32 and 33. Matthew 24, verse 32. 32, I think, 32 and 33. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see, and notice these words, all these things, when you see all these things, know that it is near, the coming of Christ. So you can't know the day or the hour, my friend. But Jesus said, when you see all these things, these great prophecies being fulfilled, you can tell that it is near. Uh, we're starting uh, winter here in Thousand Oaks, but in a few months, the leaves will come out again because summer is coming. They're signs. Right now, I want to share with you seven great signs concerning the return of Christ. 
And the first one is this. If you're taking notes, you can write it down. Number one, great wars. Matthew 24, verse 7, and then Revelation 11, 18. Jesus said, but nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines, try to remember this, famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. And then in Revelation, it says these words, the book of Revelation, the nations were angry and your wrath has come. The time of the dead that they should be judged and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, those who fear your name, small and great. Look at these words. Just look at them. And should destroy those. What does it say? The Bible says, Christ will destroy those who destroy the earth. In other words, Christ will return when the nations are fighting each other and are destroying the earth. We've only had that capacity in recent years. Sign number two, famines, pestilences, and earthquakes. We read about it, Matthew 24 and verse 7. And then... It tells us in Revelation 16 and verse 8 that the sun will have tremendous power to scorch men with great heat. This is tied in with global warming, famines, pestilences, tremendous earthquakes. And then the Bible says these will happen on a, on a greater intensity. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 8 says these words. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And in the Greek language in which this Bible is written, the New Testament, the beginning of sorrows is a reference to the birth pangs that a mother goes through before the baby is born. Every mother knows that the pain gets more intense and closer and closer. And so... The wars will get closer, more intense, more famines, more earthquakes, more pestilences, it says in another part of the Bible. The sun will be scorching men with tremendous heat. Many people say we are seeing the commencement of this. Sign number three, the Great Tribulation. You have to listen carefully to this one. The Bible says... One of the great signs before Christ returns is a tremendous tribulation that takes over the earth. A terrific time of trouble. Now, my evangelical friends, hopefully, will be kind to me because I'm going to disagree with them. But they're charitable people. Most of my evangelical friends teach the coming of Christ and after the coming of Christ, this terrible time of trouble when the Antichrist rules. I wish it were so. I heard a great preacher on TV say, we're not going to see it, we're going to be raptured home to glory. Now, I, I would like to believe that <laughs> because that sort of appeals to me. But I don't believe it because I don't believe it's taught in the Bible. Let me give you some texts on this, if I may. Matthew 24, verse 21, and then we'll read some more. 
Jesus said, then there'll be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake. That's God's people. Those days will be shortened. My question is this. If the elect are home in glory, who cares? <laughs> I'd like to be home in glory too. But Jesus said there's going to come this massive, this tremendous tribulation. And Jesus said, if those days were not shortened, even the elect could not stand it. So the elect, I would suggest to you, are not on, uh, not in glory, but are still on this earth. Now verse 22, 29, 30, and 31. I want you to notice this. Think about this. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, hey, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be, will be shaken. So after this tribulation, after this great time of trouble, are you listening to me? Now Jesus said, after this great tribulation, after this great time of trouble, now he says, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven after the tribulation. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. That's the second coming. And He will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together, notice it again, his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Um, I find that pretty hard to explain away. So I say to my evangelical friends, please just give me a little, little slack here. I don't believe in this common idea that the rapture takes place and then the Antichrist comes and uh, the great tribulation. As I tell you, I heard this great preacher, he said, uh, you can tell us who believe this because we're all always happy. <laughs> We're, we're going to go home to glory. We're not going to see it. But Jesus said, the elect are going to be there in the midst of it. And then Jesus said, after this terrible tribulation, this terrible time of trouble, Jesus said, they're going to see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now listen to me. On the basis of these passages from Jesus and other texts as well, I believe that this great tribulation takes place before the return of Christ and is tied up with the Antichrist. I believe it's tied up with the famines and the pestilences and the world wars and the nations destroying the earth. People say, well, God's not going to allow it. Well, it says when Jesus comes, it says this in Revelation, the nations are destroying the earth. So I put it to you. I believe from Scripture, one of the great signs of the end uh, is the coming of the Antichrist and this tremendous time of trouble, this tribulation. Now, it seems to me that we are seeing the start of this great tribulation. It seems to me that the prophecies uh, are being fulfilled uh, 
and this great tribulation is coming on apace. I believe, as people say around the world, what's happening? What's going on with the earth? Everything is insecure. The nations are angry. They're about to destroy the earth. I would suggest to you that this is a sign of the coming of Christ. Another great sign is the abomination of desolation. What does that mean? Jesus said in Matthew 24 that the abomination of desolation would stand in the holy place. Now, this is a term that refers to the Antichrist. And then if you come to 2 Thessalonians, please be patient with me here. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 and 4, it says, Let no one deceive you by any means. Watch out for spiritual frauds. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, falling away from the truth. And the man of sin, the Antichrist, is revealed the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And if you read the first verses of Second Thessalonians chapter 2, it says this takes place before the coming of Christ. Now listen to me. I know this is... This is pretty solid stuff. So signs, wars, famines, pestilences, the nations destroying the earth. And then there comes this tremendous time of trouble, this tremendous time of trouble brought about by the nations. Something has happened and the sun, Revelation 16 says, is scorching men and women with great heat. Isn't it amazing? in spite of all the overwhelming evidence that people still deny climate change. It's incredible. Virtually every scientist in the world, the only people who deny it are people who've got an interest in polluting the earth, a financial interest. They're the people who are teaching it because they, they want to be the polluters. So the Bible says, the sun becomes hotter and hotter and hotter. And then it says the great Antichrist appears and the Antichrist, the abomination of desolation, he sits in the temple of God in the church. That's the last place you'd expect him to be. And the vast majority of Christians and people who believe in God are going to be deceived. You know why? Because they do not follow the scriptures. Mm -hmm. They're being brainwashed by religious charlatans and by tricksters and by frauds. They're being brainwashed. It's the truth. But the coming of spiritual deception, that is a sign. Sign number five, the gospel to the world. Matthew 24 and verse 14, the words of Jesus. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. The truth is you can't stop the preaching of the gospel. People can connive, they can cheat, they can lie, they can steal, they can tell 
They can do every evil deed. They can work to stop the preaching of the gospel. But the truth is, the gospel is going to be preached. In communist China, where there are now possibly more devout Christians than any other place in the world, including the United States of America. People say, it couldn't happen with the communists. Well, it's happening. You know why? Because God is behind it. That is why. Then the Bible says there'll be false Christs and false prophets showing signs and wonders. Matthew 24, 24. False Christs, charlatans. False prophets, talking nice things, but charlatans, will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Therefore, the elector on the earth. Oh, no, but the elector home in... No, 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 the elector on the earth. They're fighting the Antichrist. They're fighting the false prophets. And most people who take the name of God are sitting ducks. So easily brainwashed because they've lost the capacity to think for themselves. I charge you today to think for yourself. Not to follow a religious hierarchy or some charismatic political figure, but to think for yourself. You see? The false Christ. Revelation 16, 13 to 15, we won't turn it up, but you can write it down if you're taking notes. It talks about spiritism that takes over the world, where the whole world becomes demon-possessed. Sign number seven, the carcass and the eagles. Jesus said, the whole earth would become a stinking carcass. Matthew 24, 28. People say, what on earth does this text mean? For wherever the carcass is there, the eagles will be gathered together. Just as the old city of Jerusalem in 70 AD became a stinking cesspool of every sin. And the Roman soldiers came with the eagle emblazed on their banners. So the earth becomes a cesspool, ripe for judgment. Cities are all broken down. Let me tell you this. You're listening to me? There's no security in this world. (laughs) There's no security in politics, my friend. There's no security in false preachers. There's no security in con artists who are very good at brainwashing the totally gullible. There's security in Christ. That's why I say to people, read your Bible every day. Therefore, we believe that the coming on the basis of these tremendous prophecies, we believe, listen, We believe that his coming is near even at the doors. We're not saying the day or the hour, but we believe his coming is near. If we believed this, I think we would live and act differently to the way we live and act today. But one thing is certain, his coming is no farther removed than my death or yours. And you and I could die at any moment. For me, my death would be the second coming. 
because I would fall asleep and a moment later I would see Christ coming. Some people will say, no, he's coming. He's a million years off. It's as close as your death. That could be today. It could be during this meeting. It could be while, while you are watching the telecast. We're no farther removed from death than this sickness. Look at it. You know what that is? That's the thickness of the wall of your artery. This thick. In the book of Philippians, Paul said that he wanted to depart and be with Christ, which was a great idea, no doubt about it, to depart and be with Christ because Paul realized he would fall asleep, completely oblivious. And then the next thing he would know, what would it be? Christ. Depart and be with Christ. Thus, in my personal reality, his coming is no farther removed than my personal demise. Then why are people so indifferent to Christ and his truth? My heart is beating a beat that says Christ is coming. Great text, Matthew 24, 44. I want you to notice it, Matthew 24 and verse 44. Therefore, in view of all of these things, in view of all of these things, therefore be also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Be ready. That's the message of Scripture. Be ready. Be ready today. Be ready now. And don't think that pious religiosity is going to save anybody. You know the story of the miner who went along to church. The preacher preached his heart out. The miner was not committed. You see, you're not saved until you accept and believe. Some people have this terrible idea that everybody is saved until they reject. That's nonsense. That's the devil's lie. I know lots of people who go to church believe that devil's lie. But you're saved when you accept and believe. When the pastor was closing up the church, he said, I can't go home. Why can't you go home? He said, I need, I can't go home until I settle it tonight. I've got to settle it. So the pastor and he got down on their knees and he led the man to Christ. There are steps you take. You repent of your sins. You believe in the cross of Christ. The Christ died for you. It's easy. Anybody can be saved. But it's not a quick fix. So he gave his life to Christ. The next day he went down the mine. There was a tremendous explosion. They brought him up out of the mine. His wife rushed to him. She heard the words coming from his lips. I'm glad I settled it last night. I'm glad I settled it last night. You'll be glad too if you settle it now. What are you going to tell God if you don't settle it? What are you going, what are you going to tell him? I never had an opportunity. You've had it. You've had it now. 
Just very recently, we had terrible fires in Thousand Oaks. We saw the fire coming up at the back of our place, over the mountain. We thought, going to happen again. So we went home and packed as much as we could. And then <laughs> the tankers arrived overhead, the big tankers. The DC-10, the MD-80s, the Hercules. We had deliverance from the heavens. Now listen, they were like angels. The day is going to come when things are going to get so bad in this world. People are going to say there's no hope for us. But those who trust in Christ are going to look up and rejoice because the angels are going to come with Christ. There will be deliverance from the heavens. But I want to say to you, the deliverance is for those who put their faith in Christ now. Don't put it off. You could die today. And when Christ returns, my friend, <laughs> when Christ returns in all his glory, with all his angels, that's when the good times start. Amen. Hear this? No more pain, no more tears, no more sorrows, no more broken hearts, no more stillbirths, none of those things. And therefore, we should take today to our hearts the great text. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. There's only one thing that really counts in this lifetime your relationship to Christ. And then if you have a right relationship with Christ, you'll want to tell people about Christ. That's why Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. By the grace of God, we're going to do that. We are doing that. That is why we're going back to Cuba, to this communist land, to preach Christ. We're accepting an invitation to go to the, the vast, huge city of Manila, the capital of the Philippines, been there before, but by the grace of God, we're going back. Please support us. And please stand with us in the preaching of the everlasting gospel. You say, how do you do it? Who, who pays the bills? We do. Do you get any help, financial help from the church? No, my friend, we don't but we get a lot of help from God and from his children. Please support us in the preaching of the everlasting gospel. It's the most important work in all the world. Everything else is almost trivia. So would you please write to me? John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Do your best for Jesus. Do your best for the gospel. And in Australia, write to me at Terrigal. 
And we promise you this, every dime, every dollar is going to be used to win souls to our Lord Jesus Christ. Please write to me today. Thank you and God bless you. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.